majors. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I am Katie. Just DeSanto. Katie. Just Katie. Yeah. Just Katie. Oh, oh just Katie. <laughs> Unrelated. In, in future <laughs> weeks, she's going to be Katie. going by a symbol. We just mm. we just live just by a symbol together. Yeah. Unrelated. No relation. No relation. No relation. <laughs> All right. This is already off to a really weird start. I yeah, I understand we really, should be social distancing, but really, it's been a long stuff. time. So weird. <laughs> This is like approaching. What is happening? <laughs> no, I'm in a very on? weird headspace today. What is <laughs> understandable? Understandable. Uh, so today we are talking about a beloved 1980s classic, Steven Spielberg's E.T. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode: What are we drinking this episode? And if the answer is not a lot, then. <laughs> It's not a good answer. What does everybody have? I'm having Woodford Reserve Double Ooh. Oaked Bourbon. Brand new uh, bottle. Open that today. I was going to say. I think that's from my dad at Christmas time. That's so nice. I can't that remember. looks great. Thanks, yeah. Jim. Uh, I am drinking the One Hope Red Blend tonight. So yummy. It's like s'mores. And red wine mixed together. That sounds awful, but it's actually really delicious. Mm -hmm. S'mores yeah. and red wine. Graham crackers. Yeah, there's a little graham cracker smell. Graham crackers. Mm -hmm. Like real graham cracker? You sprinkle yeah. some of your own in there, perhaps? No, I couldn't have that because I'm gluten-free, but it smells like graham crackers. Is there not a gluten-free graham cracker we could find? Somewhere? There is. There is. Okay. We just got them from my yeah, daughter. It's, it's yeah. um, when Amazon brings the box, <laughs> you slice off a piece of that and you square it. No, but you have to add sugar. <laughs> yeah. Is it basically the, the, a when you rice turn the cake? when you turn the cardboard like sideways cake? and you see that squiggly that squiggly yeah, line? It's like a game. Yeah, you fill the holes in the cardboard with sugar and cinnamon, and then you just. Chow, 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 I do worry that. that my taste has changed so much. Like my my bar has lowered in terms of any bread product. Yeah, anybody, any I. I I love Katie and I love that she's gluten free because it makes her feel better mm -hmm. about and not complain uh, yeah, as much. Yeah, about itching. <laughs> um, but I will say this about folks that are gluten free. If any one of you tries to pass off the merits of gluten free pasta any longer, oh, you should be no. stricken from the record. No. So the, I, I appreciate humans in my life who say like, you can almost not tell. You can that almost this is, you, not. You can always tell that something is gluten free. <laughs> Always and, tell. And, <laughs> and pasta the, is the, the worst one the, of it. The 2% of support that Aileen still had for this program is now. No, but gone. listen, but but here's the thing. When you start living in your no, little microcosm, you it. that's completely. Well, just, you just lose the be, frame of reference. To right? be fair, I think if you're I, I think if you're someone who has no medical choice but to eat it, yeah. you probably oh, no. You probably try to say that to yourself because as a way right. to you got to you got to put this into context it. here. Katie thinks it's all delicious because it's all I ate. Yeah. All I eat. Jim can still make the comparison well, <laughs> between yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm saying. Food I, with gluten and food without. It is gluten. completely <laughs> fine if it's delicious and you love it. Yeah, it's but delicious it to me. Certainly is not gluten plus. It's not delicious pasta. to the like general no, I population. Think that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, gluten positive. Um, what do we? Hear? Someone said that on Ugly Delicious. I like gluten that. Bio. This is a gluten positive bakery. Question: yeah. Was ET gluten free? Discuss. Oh, 
Well, no, maybe it was the gluten beer. that started making him no. sick. Oh, That's maybe it. he had never had he gluten had before. Celiac. Disease. Yep. I don't know. Actually, is there any? He ingested gluten. There... Brian, what kind of beer was he drinking? He was oh. drinking Coors. Yeah. I wondered, as an aside, if that beer was smuggled across country by Burt Reynolds in a Smokey and the Bandit movie. <laughs> The, the, the time period That's is so random. The well, time period is appropriate. I mean, and we right do know that Stokey and the Bandit. E.T. technically is part of the Star Wars universe. He is. We we will talk about that. Have, have we part started of the work. show? Yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. What were we drinking? Yes. We're ready. We've been, we're ready we've for been, the rundown. We've, we've actually been trying to dig ourselves out of a hole since you since started I opened talking the about. Show? We, yeah, need to, okay. we need to just be okay with that. Yes. Let's, Let's just, just have go to the rundown. Rundown. Here we go. I am Yoda run down with. <laughs> oh, my God. That's good. So that's it. There's the rundown. <laughs> okay. E.T. Uh, E.T., he just wants to get home, man. He wants to get home to his mama after getting left behind on the family road trip to Earth. Luckily, he finds a human family who cares for him and helps him call his mama. <clears throat> Human children have to race against the clock of NASA scientists dressed like astronauts who want to put E.T. into their lab. And whatever mystery disease is taking E.T. down. Only two things can save him. Elliot's heart and a teenage bike gang. Boom. Yeah, I love it. Uh, breaking news, I'm drinking Cosmic uh, Distortion. Oh, oh look at that. It's a pedal, right? Oh, I thought yeah. it was a pedal. Oh, yeah, yeah, turn it, turn it. No, you I see, see the chords? No, I see it, yep. Yeah. And there's the guitar. I, I love it. it. Oh, Mighty Squirrel fun. Brewing Company. That might be Jim's favorite can. Mighty Squirrel, we need to we might need like to that them. can more than my can. Waltham Mass, and it's delicious. Um, question about E.T. Yes. Would the film not have been better if there were not cutbacks to inserts to E.T.'s mom trapped at the airport like Kevin's mom from Home Alone. Was this the inspiration for the movie Home Alone? No, I will say that. However, we have done that. However, we recently watched Abominable with the girls. Oh, how was that? It's good. Excellent. It's very good. So much better okay. than the other Yeti movies, and... which we haven't watched all of them. But... Top five Yeti movies. Yeah. yeah. Go. Best of the three. And uh, it's basically exactly the same as E.T. Hot take. It's like it's like almost uh, like someone took the script for E.T. and was like, oh, I'm just going to change this to being a Yeti and go, you know, make it a it, Korean it family gets captured and goes to right. yeah, add in it, some music. It's China. Yet, China. I thought they were Korean. No, they go sorry. to Everest. I didn't. Oh, they go to Mount Everest. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You're right. Oh. They go to Mount Everest. That's why it's called. No, it's not called Everest. They call the Yeti. The Yeti's Everest. name is Everest. Um, healing powers is what I was going to say. Other thing I wanted to pose about this creature um, better or worse than the gopher in Caddyshack? Um, oh. oh, I think it's better. Less lovable. Cute. Uh, I think the gopher is cuter. As the, the kids were saying agreed. that E.T. was scary, I started like, yeah. pondering. I'm like, he, it, like the yeah, design yeah, yeah, yeah. of him is 
super creepy. Yeah. He was a very interesting choice of the design. And I don't know. I unfortunately didn't do any research and I don't know. Maybe we can fact check that for next week. Yeah. But it is intriguing to me that they went with an alien that is not particularly cute in any way, shape or form. Um, but it's not as cute, but I think is wildly impressive. I was having not seen this for a really long time impressed how clearly what was a mixture of puppetry and CGI, or I don't know if it's essentially CGI at that time um, was. Yeah. They did a good job with it. Other hot take. Our daughter nailed that Wally yeah. is based on E.T. I mean, like the, the shape of Wally. Same shape. Yeah, she, yeah, she did. Same Eva, shape. Eva nailed Eva, it. Eva, nailed Eva it. Right and Eva. also Wally's cuter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because Jack Costello had the same thought. He yeah. goes, what's better, Wally or E.T.? Because he's a big uh, Wally fan and he prefers Wally. Wally's e. a, good, a good movie. It's, uh, yeah, I, it's hard to say it's, it's, I, I think E.T.'s better, but, you know. That's different, uh, different strokes on that. Fair. I think Katie might be a lot more of a Wally fan than ET. I don't know. Oh, I love Wally. Well, let's talk about ET. So, all right, you go first, Jim's Brian. Film. Oh, no, it's so, your film. Okay, so, you, so, why did you pick ET? I picked ET because um, I love this movie for a lot of reasons, um, and I hadn't watched it like with attention for quite a while. I think. Um, I just wanted to revisit it and see what I thought about it after watching, you know, whatever, 97 movies for this podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I think this is like the, my favorite era of Steven Spielberg too. Um, you know, once we get to the nineties, I'm kind of off the Steven Spielberg, you know, bandwagon. Um, I think the eighties were his, especially the early eighties were his time to, to like shine. Um, and hopefully he'll come back and do something as worthwhile, but I feel he does more serious pictures and then a popcorn movie. Whereas back in the day, he tried to make popcorn movies that were elevated. Um, and this is probably the best one. I think. And we'll talk about that later when we get to game of the week, but um, it's a tough. <laughs> yeah. So you have right in, in sort of in secession, right? You have E.T. Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, it was if I had to look, I think Jaws. Oh, it, 19. Uh, what's 41 or whatever oh, that yeah, one yeah. is. That failed is stuck in there, time. which is a failure. But I mean, there is there's a run. I mean, you get close encounters. You get Raiders, you get E.T., there's Jaws in there, um, which is just, I mean, pretty wild, the run he goes on. Uh, I think it's tough to argue that that time period you're talking about is his, his best. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a whole thing. Now, I think this is a great film, you know, worthy of all the praise. I have never been a big E.T. fan. 
I it's for whatever. And I, I don't know if I could even classify that because um, both the kids love it. In fact, Claire Costello will give us a children's perspective of the mm. movie later. Aileen likes it. In fact, Aileen, we, this, we still have this movie out of the library for like three months now because <laughs> the libraries are all closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but before the pandemic, uh, we, she took out E.T. because she said, oh, get E.T., I want them to watch this. And there's only really one other movie she said this with, which ironically is another movie that is a great movie, but I've never been close to, which is The Wizard of Oz. Mm. And I think this is a great movie. There's stuff about it I absolutely love. I don't know why I've never connected with it to probably love it as much as Jim will talking about loving it. There's nothing I dislike about it. Yeah. I think the performances are, I think there's so much that's good about it, but for whatever reason, there are other movies that either Spielberg does or other movies from when I was younger that I just felt a better connection to. So do you think it's just um, characteristic of like who you are? Cause I, I feel the same way, right? Like maybe the age at which you watched mm-hmm. E.T., how much you connected with it at the time and then the nostalgia therein. I don't know how old I was when I saw E.T., but I didn't see it as a kid, I don't think. I think I saw it as an adult. Yeah, oh, And okay. so I don't so think it I ever think, hit I, me. Yeah, I think you know? on your end, that would be it. I, just from my perspective, again, I, I liked it. I remember seeing it. I, I certainly remember it being part of mainstream pop culture like i remember people having et toys and the game and the poster and i remember seeing it a bunch of times but i don't know maybe it's you're right maybe it's just what you consume and what you enjoy more than other things i for example um was more of a indiana jones yeah type you know if, yep. if i had my choice between them well so or, was i <laughs> i know but no but i'm just saying i'm thinking of other things like i unlike labyrinth like jim hempson's other stuff like i like muppets i don't know for some reason i don't know if just that storyline in particular didn't connect with me and maybe it was et because i don't know if et himself is a character or, you know, I have lots of them. Those Fozzie Bear and all the other ones behind. I was just drawing more to. Now, as an adult watching it, I think the film itself, I think I have a more of a, a respect for the film. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's the balance of watching it. I think it works effectively as a film for children. But I think maybe I have more respect for it and appreciation for it after watching it now than I did when yeah. I was younger. Maybe I, I missed some of the elements i I think it should be remade i think i i would get behind a remake of et and then really want my kids to see it i i think it's a movie again these these kind of children's films of the 80s uh there's just bumpy parts where it just feels like "Ah, is this a kid's movie and it's not i don't know like we can talk about like parents splitting up and yeah, no, um, it, it's fear. <laughs> There's just some like rough edges. Yeah, th- and that's okay. I think that's. I I don't think there's anything here that I cringed at watching with the girls. There's just so it, I just find when we watch these children's movies of the 80s, 
This that, is, by the way, this is not a children's movie. Oh, this, so that's interesting. Not, I, I don't think that, I mean, no? this is, I don't think this was marketed as a kid's no, movie. No, I, I think all. children, I think children could watch it, but I don't, I think Jim's right. I think okay. it's not being marketed like the Muppet movie was, <laughs> right. which was, okay. I, which I believe no, was somewhere helpful. around that time period or, or, or things of that nature. And remember, I mean, Steven Spielberg films predating this are certainly not children's films. Let me give you an example. Uh, uh, another Spielberg movie, Hook. Yeah. Like Hook to me was marketed more as a children's film and feels like that. Yeah. E.T. is a film with children who play predominant roles. And I would say nine and a half to 9.9 times out of 10 films where the child is the yeah, like the protagonist yeah. are children's films. We make that connection. And I could see where that may be off if you I, view it that I th way. I think it is. I think it is off. You know, so like Jim was pointing out that through the majority of the film, you don't get adult faces except for mom. Yeah, it's definitely a person. And that is something that I think I've learned to, there are certain things in this movie that as a kid, I thought were so cool that are kind of like typical Steven or Steven Spielberg, like manipulative, like, stuff that like jj abrams kind of vibe of like yeah oh he got the idea to write to make a radio from the comic which is stupid when you watch it you're like no that, but as a kid you're like oh that's so cool he's like adapting and but the technical piece of of storytelling in this movie through through like the perspective and and how it looks and the way they shot certain things and the way they make certain things scary that were probably like if you take the scene when they're coming into their when the men are coming into the house for the first time and they're they are dressed like spacemen. They're dressed in NASA. Why? Right. So like but also Why? they're like opening the windows and they're coming like it's oh, it's it feels like I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yep. It, if you take that as like this is exactly what happened mm -hmm. versus this is Elliot's perspective of what's exactly. happening, mm -hmm. it's totally different. Mm -hmm. And the whole movie, if you if you kind of think about that, the whole movie is set up that way. Um, yeah, there's just it's just everything is from from a child's point of view. They're, oh, sorry, but the literature teacher is gonna call bullshit on that. On what? If it's his perspective, so. If it's his perspective, no, you that can't, has to so stay you can't, consistent. No, 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 no. This is not literature like you're writing. Totally different. Totally different. To your perspective in, in literature is totally different than, like, the, the eye of, like, the lens. The lens is trying to tell a feeling in a scene that's totally different than, like, a character talking or, or explaining their perspective in a novel. And so, like, if you want the scene to feel like a child's being scared by what's happening on screen... That scene where the people are coming in and there's in the you saw Eva hiding behind the thing like that. The music, the way those people are entering the house is completely absurd. But that is probably yeah, it's a totally different thing. But I, but I just I still disagree because I think the beginning scene then of E.T. becomes problematic because that scene sets it up that you have an outside perspective where here's what's happening. Right. Here's the spacecraft. Mm -hmm. Here's the little extraterrestrial kiddo gets mm -hmm. lost in the woods. All the big bad men are coming to chase him. Wait, wait, wait. So what? what is the problem? 
because so that feels like you're just you you are a camera a, okay. you know a, a fish a fly so you're saying that point shouldn't be scary no that that, that doesn't feel connected to a character is what it's i'm saying 100 percent connected to et that's et's perspective you think yes at that point well that's interesting I didn't feel it that way. I, really? Absolutely. What's interesting, though, but I think the takeaway from that scene, and it's interesting because I watched the movie with Claire, and she had seen it more recently than I because they watched it a while ago. She's like, oh, daddy, the scary part's coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that I, it, that's interesting, though, because one of the things, the emotions that stuck with me the most of this is remembering it as a kid, and that part was scary. And I think that is heavy. And in particular, I remember like the tubes they were walking through. And and that part kind of hit me watching that. And I think there were a lot of sequences in this, which did make me feel like it it wasn't necessarily a kid's movie. Okay. And and I, and again, I think it's in one of those tricky situations where you're you're saying, well, I'm not making a, a kid's movie, which I'm sure is what Spielberg meant. But the marketing of it has E.T. There's kids in it. So I think people are inclined at times to perhaps feel it's a, a, a kid's movie. Yeah. You know, and in a modern context, a lot of people um we're also of a generation that saw movies that many of us would not show our children as kids. So in our mind, it's that, and maybe that's why I feel the same way about wizard of Oz, because I've talked about it on the show before that movie creeped me out. The flying (laughs) monkeys creep me out. I, I was disturbed by that movie. And for whatever reason, I understand it's a great movie, but I, I don't have the connection to it that maybe a lot of others do. Oh, we have to show this. Every kid should see Wizard of Oz. Really? Because it's a populist fable. That's, is it really a kid's? And the same thing with this. I appreciate, like I said this more now, I do wonder what kids take away from the movie and and but that's okay like when we listen to claire what she says about it she's still able to take something away from it and it's probably different than what we take away with it but maybe that's a credit to steven spielberg and what he was doing on this run of movies that jim highlighted already early in his career this ability to craft these movies that work on different levels for different hold on go ahead you go you go so i pulled up the list so it was Jaws in 75, Close Encounters in 77, 1941 in 79, which that's the one that no one's seen. Um, Raiders in 81, this in 82, and then uh, Temple of Doom in 84 after Twilight Zone. But he only did a portion of the Twilight Zone. Um, This is by far the most emotional out of all those films. By far. And it's the most connected you get to any character. In any of his movies, I think, even like scrolling up, well, maybe not like well, until not he, Schindler's not Schindler's List, list. and yeah, honestly, like I, in some of the things I haven't seen like in a while, like Munich, which I really liked. I don't Great remember. Movie. It's like um, such a good movie. But like this, this is him at his best with characters and kids. The acting, those kids for all the kids. Um, speaking of which, see Thomas Howell. I totally forgot he was in this movie. 
I did too. And like this I was like he he yeah. broke big after this. This wasn't even yeah. the one that got him. He this it's got hilarious. him the outsiders. Just seeing him it was like the punk on the bike, I was like, what? I totally forgot it was him. I always remember the other kid with the headphones, who is the exact archetype of Dun Dustin yeah. on Stranger, Stranger Things. Things just As, took, that, yeah. took that bike gang. I mean, they took so it. much from Close yeah. Encounters and ET. And ET. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and I think it's because of that feeling, like that nostalgia feeling of like what was so what was so important for kids in the eighties was like sort of like that sort of came to fruition more in the nineties is like showing your individuality, your separation from your parents, which I don't know that that happens as much these days. And yeah. and we were laughing at the scene where ET's walking around the kitchen and Gertie's trying to introduce him to her mother and her mother's so distracted by all the mom things that she has to get done as a single parent that she's totally oblivious that there's an alien walking around her kitchen. Um, and that seems brilliant in the way it's like blocked and walked and mm -hmm. walked out. And the fact that you have a six year old quarterbacking that scene is insane. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Barrymore in this film is Hilarious, absolutely hilarious in so in like her delivery. Yeah, I there mean the some, kids in general. I think the yeah. kids in general in this film are incredible. When we just did, an, you know, Henry Thomas was the bartender in yes. Doctor Sleep. I do just want to come back to um, to age yeah. for a minute. I easily, when we were talking about Stranger Things, the kids the asked thing. about no, but I, I just like it just came to me a little bit. I know bit. that's totally different though. I know, but I said, oh, you know, Stranger Things is more of like a adolescent. And I think E.T. is too, right? Like, I think that E.T. for uh, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, if you don't see it's different. If you don't see a gigantic difference as far as, like, the age appropriateness of E.T. and Stranger Things, I, I, do I don't know see, what else we can talk about no, no, in this No, no, I do see a difference. Okay. I still think... I just... I think that there's a lot going on in E.T. that is a, that's just above the... Okay. Head of Toy Story. Okay. Well, it works. Okay. All right. Hold on. But now, without uh, and well, one then you get the cartoon Jim, play, aspect, which is different. Play Claire's clip because yeah. I want to build off of this because I think it ties into our discussion. Here is Claire Costello. Hi, I'm Claire. I love the movie because there's a lot of good characters like E.T. and Ellie, and the music is really good. Mm -hmm. But She's got that, it. so nailed it. No, yeah. but but that. So, but I wanted to play that because I was interested, but because I thought this might come up. You can come away at that level, at an eight-year-old level, love E.T., love Elliot, you know, interesting characters, whatever. The music, which, I mean, I, I was thinking as I listened to it. <laughs> it's awesome. If you listen to this without a score, I'm not sure how well this movie stands yeah. up. No, point. you're right. No. And it's a great example of what a score can emotionally can do from in particular that last sequence, because it's kind of hokey. Mm -hmm. the, 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 it's all kind of clunky. It's clearly on a set. I mean, E.T., it's good, but it's the reason it's really good yeah. is what John Williams does. As always, because the man is is brilliant. Yeah. But I think this film can work on levels. To me, this was really interesting because a couple of years ago I watched and I would highly recommend this to 
anybody if you're looking for a documentary to watch. And I believe it's on HBO because HBO co-produced it. Um, the Spielberg documentary, which is called Spielberg. And it goes into there's some great sequences of him directing the kids and talking about how to direct the kids. But in particular, what you get in this movie makes so much more sense in conjunction with Close Encounters is that Spielberg felt his father abandoned their family. And this is like a whole thing that if you once you see this, like this movie in particular, I think, and Jim hits on with the characters and the emotion, I think, plays out more because I think this was him channeling how he felt about this. And it's kind of a sad story, like Spielberg's mom and dad gets divorced and he puts all the blame on the dad, which you see in this character. And it's not what he finds out until after he's done E.T. that no, his mom had had an affair. His dad mm. left for the family to be better and to do it. And he had to work yeah. through all this stuff. And I think when you see that as a subtext in this movie with not only the dad being in Mexico and how it must felt for his mom, but the role or what E.T. is playing for Elliot, I think the movie takes on a level that clearly as a child you wouldn't know. And you wouldn't even know if you didn't know that about Spielberg. So I think watching it, this time with that kind of knowledge makes it interesting. Also in the sense that you never see adult men's faces for so long. Yeah. Well, and, and that's interesting. That. So when they bring in keys at the end, our kids were dead set on like, this has to be their dad because it just felt they were confused, like, yeah. they're like, but wait, but this guy has some sort of an emotional reaction here. Like they were feeling yeah. the emotion in the room and thinking like, that's gotta be the father. I was like, it's not the father. Like, knock it off. Yeah. It's but maybe it man. was in the right, but yeah. you know what I mean? But, but <laughs> what was that? See, this this, is... And this is the, the point where I think E.T. falls outside of like the judgment of like, whether this is a kid's movie or not, he's, he was able, I think, to channel like real child emotion to these characters in a way that like something that like Labyrinth were like, we're like, is this a kid's movie? It's it's not because no one fucking cares how the kids feel in the, that movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, we're going to try to scare them. We're going to try to do this. We're going to try to make it feel cool for them. And th this is not that. And if it's it could be, you know, all because of the stuff Brian just said, but he clearly was channeling how he felt as a kid into those characters. And I think that's, that's why it is endured. And that's why it's held up as like one of the, one of the great movies. Well, isn't one of the other things to like, when we say what's a, a child's movie, it's all relative. I think to, I guess you as a parent, but also you as a child, you know, like we've talked about this. There's all sorts of movies that theoretically we shouldn't have watched as children. Sure. Um, and, I would not say that this even came up as but I don't an idea of this. One. I don't either. I was yeah. very like I had I think we had talked off air prior about this, like last week when we talked about E.T. And I was like, no, our our kids watched it. It it never crossed my mind. And having watched Labyrinth, hell no, they're right. not watching that. Like so that, I, that to me is creepy, creepy stuff. I well, one deals with generations, though. I, th I, I think that if you look at genre over the decades yeah i think a lot of kids saw this in the 80s oh, I, sure. at like a young well, yeah, age sure. and i don't think that that was weird I, I you know i don't think it was like parents taking them to a movie they weren't today, supposed to I, see i'm weird. just not sure no, how that conversation is relevant think, to what well, we're talking about because i think we we like to talk about you know target audience because that does impact the way I we don't. receive a film <laughs> oh. i i oh 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Sorry. I don't think Target... I think target audiences, and I've said this so many times, the moment anyone says target audience, I start thinking, like, we're, are we counting dollars or are we talking about, like, the piece of what we hopefully consider art in front of us? I think I think you have to take that into account. Well, I'll, I'll go with Katie this. When I when I say target audience, I'm not thinking about for money. I'm thinking about what was the intention of the film. So if you're a filmmaker, like I'm making right. this, but film, you don't need to have I mean. an audience in mind as part of your intent at all. Okay, but but that's how be. that's how art is made. That's certainly how movies are made. Like no, that's that that's what they do. They do market research and they say like, here's our audience. Here's who we are attracting. Well, I do I do think that's slightly fair. So yeah, in but, a modern context. So for example. As a children's movie, what is, I think, in many ways been marketed as a modern children's movie is the new Scooby-Doo movie. The, the clear intention of that is for children, but it was also made in a way that people like our age, like myself, could watch it tied in because there's all these other Easter eggs for the cartoons we watch. I think there's an intention of making that. Right at multiple levels. I think you can tend to make it a multiple level. I think Steven Spielberg could make this and say, this is what my story is going to be. And there's an understanding that some people are going to see this as a children's movie and it doesn't have to be his intention. Right. He can just make a movie. I do think though, he could have made it like Close Encounters, which is not a children's movie. Right. And I don't, I think that I, for whatever reason, this story as he's putting together is more of a family story. That doesn't mean it's a little kids movie. Yeah, but I think it's more Wait, accessible but, than his other movies kinda, that he had made up to, to put a cap on the conversation. What was what, <laughs> sorry? What is the final? Uh, I can't ask Katie this then. She's stepping away. Oh, no. no. Um, damn dog. <laughs> But that's what I mean about I like and I understand it, it can't just be about markability. I also think certain directors get leeway, you know. So, sure. for example, if you look at what Steven Spielberg's doing, I don't think he sits there saying I'm going to make this movie for kids. I think he says I want to make this story and it just tends to be like you said, Jim, probably the most emotional story, probably the story most fundamentally built around a family as a result, like the script itself right. lends itself more all, towards maybe skewing right. younger. All, all I wanted to say is that all that given is true, whatever. And John's bringing up all the toys. 100%. That was and the time of Star thing, yeah. Wars. Like that's, that's part of how they made movies back then, right? What I want to know is given because I still haven't heard your judgment on like whether you consider it a kid's movie or not. What does that mean for what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. So like, what's the, what's like the, what's the other shoe is that you think it's a bad kid's movie? No. Okay. No. So that's what I want to hear. No, it's not that I think it's a bad kid, bad kid's movie. It's more about like framing the story. Um, and so for me, you know, there's a little bit of like a box that happens, you know, Similar to reading a book, uh, watching a movie, thinking about something like, is this young adult? Is this young adult fiction? Is this adult fiction? <laughs> like, kind of, you know, where are we? And there are these, you know, unicorns that are mm -hmm. young adult focused that end up being universal that, you know, everybody loves. And that's your Harry Potter, right? Like, like yeah, that's a uh, that is yeah, a young yeah, adult yeah. story. It is, 
Um, but the well, it's, the it, audience I mean, it ends starts up being, younger than young adult almost. I mean, yeah. it grows with the yeah. audience, right, right. which was intended. Yeah, I, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think when I watch a movie, th that I'm always thinking about that framing of you know, like who are who are we writing for? Who's this? See, who's yeah, this supposed to I hit? Think, I you know do what? that if if my if I'm watching a movie, I do the same thing. If I'm starting to feel like this movie wasn't made for me. Mm -hmm. it Agreed. Okay, mm -hmm. so like if I if, and then I go, okay, if it wasn't made for me, who was it made for? Mm -hmm. And is it like killing it there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that would get into you, the John Wick argument we had, right? That, that goes back to right. like John Wick, which is in in some respect like, and we had that discussion at that time, right? Yeah. Like if this is clearly, or we can even go as recently as Caddyshack. Yeah. Right. When we were talking about that, right? Like we know that was made for a. a a simple or a simple i don't mean to say yeah, simple. You can. sorry teenage you can. males uh but mine tom it rafferty was not made for looking at your direction <laughs> yes <laughs> pretty much tom rafferty and myself yeah um uh, by the way still tom cruise is still not reached out about playing oh man uh, i'm sorry brian i thought for can't sure make all of the dreams come true sure i get i get i get it i just um but this, you know what i this is not a movie say, that is debated whether it's good good or not or what Oh, no. And I don't even think we're debating. Like, I don't think there's any debate that this is. I would even venture to say a great movie. I, it, I really think so it is. It's a great a, it, movie. Absolutely. It holds up. I I find interest in rewatching films that were watched by children of an age. Mm. Right. And so we've done this a few Look, times. Right. Where we have watched yeah. movies that were like, yeah. they were emblematic, right? Like they were movies of like the 80s childhood and then applying those films to modern mm -hmm. day kids and seeing like, does it still work? Yeah. Right. Like, does the movie still work? I think that that's a fair. <laughs> well, do, well, I think this movie needs to be remade. Do you, that's what, that's really? what I'm saying. You see, I think, I it needs think to be it remade. still works. And I think that <laughs> yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't think it should I, be remade at all. Oh, I don't either. But I, I'd be interested in different people's and we'll get to this later interpretations of it. But I do think there's a few things in it that connect with people. And, and and part of it comes to a marketing piece besides the plush toys and things like that. I think part of it is you need to have iconic imagery in it. Oh and my Elliot God. Yeah. On mm -hmm. the bike. Well, it becomes the Amblin symbol. That's what I mean. Yes. A brand. I but think to me now the, uh, the, the effects of it, like that's where you, st you start losing your viewer. Like that. Oh, really? that I, I don't think that, that was, looks good anymore. I, I you know, was, really impressed by the effects knowing the time period i think you watch it is magical i did not i okay. watched it on an old dvd from the library so, so i can't even talk about that interesting this is going to be the crossover the brian for jim this movie well no so like we watched it in 4k um it's the first movie that i think i think the last time we watched it was probably regular dvd okay not even blu-ray um so it's a gigantic jump in 4K. You ET does not look as good in 4K. Probably not. There, right. there, that is that is an issue with because well, you get like super detail, right? Like, like super his, his, highlight. The texture, really the texture of his skin. Absolutely. However, when he's sick, it looks incredible, but also terrifying. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. intended. Yeah. With yeah. The intended yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I I this was the first movie I've watched in 4K that had like you a dr that had a dramatic change and it's probably because i haven't stepped up watching it in dvd blu-ray 
Yeah. 1080. But, now so to 4K. it was interesting watching the bike flight scene. Yeah. It, because, it, yes, but that's where I felt like, I feel like that's something that could be remastered oh, see, to look so much right. better. See, yes. Oh, please, George Lucas. Stop yeah, yeah, with that's, your remake. Like, oh, he won't. Is, no, he, he a, has, no, and he's ruined Star Wars. It, with it. it's, it's, a, it's a very slippery it's slope. Just, when it, you start it, it just honestly looked like they haven't like re like separated the layers again they and haven't. just like rerun it again. Well, they, they haven't. haven't. It would look so much better. That'd be like going back and re. Yeah, Doing like it, I don't you got to remake it. I I I I believe, and I. It'd be like going back and changing changing like out of date terms in a book to to represent. Like right. more modern terms. So I thought, um, it, so it isn't that what, isn't that what remastering film means? No, no not well, it, it can mean a whole bunch of things. But oh wait, can I start talking about this? <laughs> sure, go ahead. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You have two minutes. No, go. no, no, I can't. I can't do that. I could go enough. That, that's what I was honestly thinking. Thing. There was like, no, I feel like this no, could I, be I like, updated. No, I like. I think Jim's. <laughs> I think Jim's analogy of what that process of the books would be is spot on. I. And I believe it was Keenan and Tim who will be joining us on Thursday night from Pop Addled. They, I can't remember which episode, but they were having a great discussion about it. And I believe it was Keenan who was talking about, like when you watch older films, sometimes you have to disconnect from the special effects, even in 4K, mm -hmm. which Keenan and I love watching that stuff. And I think that was okay. And usually I use Claire or Jack too when we show them older movies as kind of a benchmark because it's all they know. Mm -hmm. And there weren't any complaints. Now, granted, we watched it on the regular DVD. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, Jim, you're spot on. You can see the progression of film if you watch them from... DVD to Blu-ray to whatever uh, point. In fact, is actually Katie, you brought up Harry Potter, mm -hmm. the early Harry Potters. I only had on DVD. And then for Christmas, we got all the 4k box set. My God, what a difference it makes when you watch it. Yeah. And Harry Potter's ones that where the effects really stand up. It, it, it it's one of those things yeah. that makes you want to watch well, certain films. Certain and, films don't matter at all. Like and, Caddyshack and, this, and 4k, whatever. And but. this film was made at a time like Star Wars and those those and you know close encounters where like they did things with lighting and with the ex with the expectation that it was going to be presented in film in a certain way not like digitally transferred and presented in pixels and all those pixels were going to be on like bright brilliant display for the sure, audience. Sure, sure. So like part of the special effects team was like how far can we go and how, what do we need to worry about? And what do we light in certain ways that we're now getting to see a little bit more of and going, yeah, that's a little weird. And I was intrigued, you know, so much of this movie is dark. There's yes. even the things that happen yes. in the daytime inside of the house. There's a He's lot of darkness. always shutting blinds. Yeah, and... it's very dark. Yeah. Um, and that definitely adds, this is what I was thinking about, <laughs> you know, like the, the, what we've done with film that's family Family film, kid oriented. There's a lot of shifts that's happened with with lighting and color. Mm -hmm. Lighting and color changes a lot. I think when you go through the past forty years of film, this is a really dark movie when you look at it just in terms of light. Um, and then when the scientists come and it changes to like bright, like blinding light, I didn't remember that first yeah. of all, and it's really surprised me. Like, yeah, it's, it's like it's a, very interesting. It becomes very uh, like 
clinical and invasion of privacy. Yes, like, and it's yeah. scary in a different way, yeah. right? Like the, is, the kids were almost as scared there. American cinefa- cinematographer magazine talking. I'm loving <laughs> yeah. second of it. See, this, this is, is we're talking and about this is why I love this movie is that measurements. Like I love it. <laughs> I love this movie for all these reasons. Is that it? Kind of prompts those conversations around like you know why do we really care about who keys is is he government is he nasa like what what is, is he going just on? a guy that really likes yeah. aliens is he, he's a guy yeah. likes Reese's pieces <laughs> is, that somehow has Fox, gained access to Mulder? this <laughs> right <laughs> but like how uh yeah I, I don't know there there's just something about this movie that i love i love the humor in this movie um which is unabashedly like geek humor you know like they're yelling um like insults at each other that are, that are basically like, uh, which I don't think the internet has even decided what Cine Supremus means. <laughs> uh, most people think it's like Latin for like giant nose. Um, <laughs> but zero charisma would be like a Dungeons and Dragons burn, which is like, obviously everyone knows what charisma is, but it's an actual statistic you get in Dungeons and Dragons, That's what funny. they're playing in the beginning, yeah. um, which is again, Ripped directly I, right into Stranger Things. I really wished Pardue would show up in this yeah. movie. Oh my gosh, he would where love was, it there. Where was yeah. Pardue? He would love it. I loved. I loved the friends. I thought that whole friend scene was great. Like ordering a pizza and and the mom not knowing that they ordered the pizza. This that that first scene where Elliot goes to get the pizza and then finds you know throws the ball into the shed. Yes. It's brilliant. I I've said this and and part of it comes from as I've highlighted, like I can't watch a movie currently in time because of the madness of the world yeah. in one sitting usually. So, so much of what I'm watching now is just sequences and thinking about movies in terms of sequences. And this movie is one of them that just has a few of those just brilliant sequences. And I know that like when they break it down and that one at the beginning is that like the sometimes the rest of the movie falls apart and this movie doesn't. Yeah. But there are like small vignettes or sequences here, like Drew Barrymore freaking out and screaming in the closet, <laughs> which is me. There's so many of those where, again, if you can ever watch movies in this way, it's interesting because you really start to begin to understand how brilliant certain movies are. And this is one of them. You- the use of light. The way he's directing the kids, the inner cutting when they bring in John Williams score. Yeah. Like it, maybe maybe you could question it, the film to, on the totality of it, which I doubt. But when you look at and I watched this in a few sittings because Claire watched it with me. You do you like pick up on how he paced and how he did things. And it's it's just really impressive. Can we um, speak about the mom just for a moment? Yes. Because I love um I love these 80s parents, which I guess is a portrayal of like 50s and 60s parents. If we think about Age of the Writers, that they're completely oblivious. And so the obliviousness of mom or lack of caring. Um, One, there's an alien walking around her kitchen as she is unloading groceries around it and she doesn't notice. Two, she doesn't notice that E.T. is inside of the sheet, not Gertie, though they are not the same size. Uh, certainly not the same shape and they don't walk the same. Doesn't notice at all. Three finds an empty beer can on the floor, ponders it, 
puts it in the recycling or trash She's can. She's the only, only adult in the house. Only adult in the house. <laughs> then gets a call that her 12-year-old son is intoxicated oh, I think, at school. I, 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 I was going to go 10. He just comes home. There's not... There's nothing. There's nothing that happens after that. Like my middle schooler was drunk at school. I'll come pick him up. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, no. Not only that, she turns to Gertie and says, stay here. Oh, yeah. Six yes. year old. Well, you stay here. You used to be able to do that. Yeah. So, in front of the television. <laughs> but like this movie is such an, a Steven Spielberg like line in the sand between like adults and kids. And this perpetuated through the 80s. This was not limited to him. I mean, this goes this oh, goes I mean, on. So many we've taught Ferris Bueller. Rosemary's adult. baby. Like there's well, like but no, but all of them, the way it's so intriguing to me because it's it's that baby boomer generation, right? So yep. John Hughes, Steven Spielberg, the way they viewed adults mm-hmm. is intriguing to me. And I'm not even gonna get into Stephen King. All of them, yeah. but then how they turned into adults now, yeah, and as sixty and seventy year olds, how they're acting is mind blowing to me. Well, I mean, let's be fair. You're, you're talking were. very specific at the front end of that, and very general at the end. So that's yeah. not exactly fair. So, like, you have, I mean, generationally, what people talk about most of the time is that the baby boomers were all promise and no, like, all potential. And cared about all the wrong things in the end, right? And and their follow through was was poor. Gen Xers didn't care about anything because of all the failed institutions of the baby boomers, and that's what you saw in the eighties. Like th- those those people watching this movie ended up being the Gen Xers, right? Like or were the fair. Gen yes, Xers? That's so like, fair. yeah, it's interesting were, how Elliot's of the world turned. So out they were like the man, that's because. I'm yeah. sorry, the kids, at, they're like, wait, these are science. They were, they were so confused. Like, Literally, who are these the people? I was like, well, so they're yeah. like scientists. They're like, so scientists are bad. I'm like, no, I don't think they there, were. There, there is a <laughs> Why do they have guns? There's, I mean, we're coming off of <laughs> Vietnam, Nixon. Waterby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The mistrust of institutions was at an all-time high Um, at that point. You know, it's, it's now I think it's probably higher that yeah um but yeah that i think this movie was probably on the front end of that i i think too it's interesting to me when you start to talk about like golden age of certain directors if you were to start categorizing you know hollywood directors of generations this is that run i think of spielberg and he, and he and he talks a little bit about it in his documentary and then there's another great one called de palma which is on netflix right now that's a, about brian de palma but it's all this group that came up in the late 70s which was spielberg brian de palma george lucas mm-hmm. scorsese all those if i had to pick one it's spielberg personally uh, who's had the most impact, I think, on people. Oh, sure. And this is that golden age of Spielberg, where if you had to pick a few movies that I think are most reflective of someone at their peak, E.T., Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders, he was in this realm where he had the ability, and it's before he started to maybe become, 
I don't want to say cliche of himself, but start to use things he had used in other movies, which eventually happens when I think he has like 40 directing credits to his name or whatever that you look at and you think there's something pure about this movie. And, and, and that's like, sometimes I go back to, and Jim, you hit on this earlier. A lot of other films will try to replicate this idea of what children in film should be after this. And I think they utilize them poorly. I think die hard, which we did at one point in the show is an example where a lot of other movies tried to be die hard, you know, jaws, a lot of other movies tried to be jaws. There's something pure about watching this and be like, Oh my God, there's you're watching this. And even though it's not my favorite movie in the world, I appreciate that this influenced other people and you're seeing the inception of something completely unique. That's going to like 2001 almost. And when you hear directors talk about that, whatever you feel about that movie. And I think I, I often I, I'm feeling almost that what I feel for 2001 is what you feel for E.T. in yeah. some respect, that the 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 offshoots that come off of E.T. and the way it impacts film is maybe greater than the movie. And maybe that's how you felt about 2001. Yeah. So I thought well, that was interesting. The other thing, he has five movies on the AFI top 100 five and they're all from this era well yeah. except except schindler's, schindler's list, list is the outlier. and i don't th and i don't think there's and there's a few directors that i question i don't think one of his five is questionable i think all five of his belong there and there's some directors mm. where which one do you not like that's there or would you question that's there i don't know i guess you're right but that's why i, I it's think tough. Really it, uh, uh, saving private ryan i would say that's it's questionable. That's the most questionable. And I and yeah. I wonder that but I mean others, it's a great think, movie, but I don't know that it does I don't know if it has to be a I think uh there's a couple that war movies that are better. For, for a movie that could be super emotional. It doesn't get to the E. T. Well level. listen, uh, to be fair, let's name the others. It's E. T. It starts Jaws, with Jaws. Jaws E. T. Uh, Raiders, E. T. Raiders. Um, Schindler's List. Schindler's List and and Saving. Well, Private Saving Ryan. Private Ryan's definitely five on that list. Yeah, but yeah. not to take it's it's away a, well let's from, yeah it's a technical masterpiece right, right. like yes. technically that's where that movie shines. It is not in its story. Um, no, it's not which is okay as, emotional at best. as but this technically one I mean the first let's Are just you say still the talking about Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, the first yeah. five. I'm still going to ask. Have you rewatched it? Not in a while. But the first 10 minutes are... are that, 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 put it on so, the list. That's it. I feel like that movie left such an emotional imprint on me that I vowed to never watch it again. Right, but that's an... But, here's so the, that's... Mm. I mean, but that's interesting that, like, as a... What year did that come out? 96? 97? No, we were in college. It came out this... Because my hot take is this. It came out the same year as Thin Red Line, which is Terrence Malick. I think Thin Red Line's a better movie. Oh, so I never saw Thin Red Line. Mm -hmm. I think it's but a better as movie. a young twenty something, you would have been. I still, like a fresh. You would have been a freshman in college. So I, I was nineteen. There are many movies that I have no memory of what actually happens in the film or the way I felt about the film. I have such a strong memory of watching that film because of what it like created in me yeah. as a teenager in terms of understanding war. 
And I think so, it's a different Spielberg too, right? Yeah. So I don't. I, I just think that's interesting. Like I have, I literally have not rewatched it since I was nineteen because of how strongly that movie hit me as a teenager. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I am ready for a rewatch. No, I, I think you're totally right. But I think that that piece happened. Th there's. There's the horrors of war in that movie that he does extremely well, which is that opening scene. There's the scene with the medic, which I think is heartbreaking. And that happens a few times, but none of it is related to the story he's trying to tell as like the emotional story of like, like it's almost like he's telling two parallel stories. There. Mm -hmm. He's telling like mm -hmm. this horrors of war story mm -hmm. that really resonates. Mm -hmm. And then he's telling this other story about this private Ryan who had four brothers who were killed. And he kind of just like leaves that out there and nothing really resonates. And then he tries to tie it with a bow with Tom Hanks with one line at the end. And to me, that part of the story, it's, it's the, again, it's like that Steven Spielberg, JJ Abrams trick where it's like, I'm tying these two things together. And I gave a lot of thought to one of them and not a lot of thought mm -hmm. to the other. And in the end, I kind of made the merge and you feel how you feel because of what I did, but I kind of manipulated you. Because if you take out, like, if you just read the script and didn't see what was happening in Saving Private Ryan, I think you'd be like, oh, this is a pretty good script. But the story, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to have to put it on the list. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen it in 21 I, years. I would argue that everything that Jim just said about Saving Private Ryan in terms of its issues aren't issues in E.T., no, I think he's very streamlined in terms of his vision of what the film is delivering that delivering those relationships. Well, I think it's interesting. I think you're very what you said earlier about his prior experience with like his parents divorce and separation and all that. If he's writing to that, then it's hard. It's hard to like we I, I, this is something that came up when we talked about music with Craig. Like if someone is invested to a level when they're performing, when they're writing, when they're creating art, where they're not thinking about, and this is what I sort of was getting at with the target audience, where like they're telling the story that they have to tell. It's their truth. It's what they feel. It's what they want to put out there. I think this is probably the closest we'll get to know Steven Spielberg as far as any of his films. But that's interesting because to me, that piece about the dad yeah. ends up becoming like joke material where like every time they talk about him there's this reference to mexico that ends up becoming like a punchline i don't like i don't take that like, as a punchline at really? all i think that's like a yeah, dagger to the mom yeah I and i think it's a it's, i think it, you're I think misreading it i, th I, know, yeah, I think that's it, stabbing his dad repeatedly like you abandoned us you left it was so painful to the mom to hear about mexico that was like you don't even point. like Mexico. Well, I know, but th that's like all they say outside of the moment where she finally says to the police officer, their father and I have recently separated. All that's said is dad is in Mexico. Uh, right. See, but I, I think that's that. I thought it was more than that. I thought I, I agree with I you. Mean, with no, 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 no. You was absolutely as an adult. You watch that. And you know what's going on. Oh, I think but as the a kids, kid that. So but that's the point you, of it, I, I think. I don't even think you pay okay. attention to I that. I think that's the kid. point is that like the kids are let in on a certain amount of knowledge about the situation, but they're feeling the full emotional brunt of the situation without knowing what it yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. But then yes. when the mom is all alone getting in the car and the thing that she is still saying is, he doesn't even like Mexico. 
That's Sorry, not you... alone. She's not all alone. She's walking out of the room. I'm pretty sure. I, I thought that, that was when she was getting oh, in the car by herself. I, I just I don't think that was meant as I think that was meant as like I think yeah that's supposed to feel not funny. Okay, well I, that one hit me. I thought that was supposed to be a chuckle, and I was like, I don't get why this is funny. Okay. Well, Jim, now we know you can run off with somebody to Mexico. He doesn't even like Mexico. Right. Oh my god! If Jim goes it'll to Mexico okay. without me, that will be the end of our marriage. I've only been to Mexico once, and it <laughs> we, was with Katie. We can only that's ever go true. together. That's uh, it. Watch ET available to rent. Yes, everybody should watch it. We had somebody listening tonight that has never finished the movie. You gotta he finish it. is Patrick Doherty. If you, you want to uh, let him know, his address is no. Doherty's. Get Patrick to watch this yeah. movie. What's going on? I blame Uncle movie. Joe. That's poor parenting. Uh, they probably watched Mazes and Monsters, though, based on mm. what we yeah. learned about Jim's childhood. All, All right. right, time for game of the week. Here we go. All right, here we go. Game of the week. This week's game of week is Fast Four. We're ranking. So this is our fourth Steven Spielberg movie. We have not done four movies of any director yet. This is a first for us on the show. Um, Based on this is solely based on personal preference. Mm -hmm. We're not going to argue the merits of Mm. the quality of the films. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be too much. This is just gut instinct movies. You want to rewatch the most rank the following four Spielberg films that we have done. (laughs) E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jim, go. I'm raising my hand because I think everyone knows where I'm going to place Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, Which is at the end. (laughs) So now it all comes down to this. It was very Howard. And I'm trying, I think. What's his name? Now it all comes down to this. Howard Cosell. It's the... uh, the Asian guys in yeah. Better Off Dead. Yep. I want to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. We really have to do Better Off um, Dead. So, over the course of my life, Ooh. I've watched Raiders the most and have enjoyed it the most. Um, so I will, at this moment in time, put that at number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, E.T. and Jaws are so close for me, uh, but I think I like E.T. more. Mm-hmm. I But I struggle because I think Hooper might be one of my favorite characters of the Steven Spielberg universe. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go Raiders, E.T., Jaws, all his other movies, and then Jurassic Park. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Only a couple more. I do like Jurassic Park, but I, but I think that is the clear outlier in this. And it is more along the lines of saving private Ryan. When we talk about how he wasn't so concerned with certain aspects of that film. And let them just go by the wayside. All right, Katie, what do you I got? I am very close, but I would put Jaws over E.T. So I'm Raiders, Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park. All right. And for me, one is Raiders. Two is Jaws. Three is Jurassic Park. And four is E.T. No. Not, not on merits. E.T. as a movie, I would pick over Jurassic Park. But I would watch Jurassic Park probably before I would watch. We it. forgot the reason Brian doesn't like ET is because he's always been a forty-year-old man. That's true. <laughs> Even when he was a little boy, I'm sure he was like had a briefcase. I can't relate to this. Remember, I liked Alex <laughs> Peake. Yeah, I don't but he get this. I want so Alex Peake. Alex Peake. By the way, I watched. He uh, would not like a, a little... Muppet if it was slimy. Well, I that's it. I think the texture. Yeah, I think it's the, the texture, texture thing. E.T. and sand. Brian doesn't like... I don't like eating cactus, and I don't like the look of E.T. 
That's it. E.T. So the girls, e. the girls liked him by the end. Lily was like, "Oh, that was super cute." When they kissed, when I don't think he's bad. Like, I love E.T. I think Gertie e. makes E.T. more yeah. lovable. Oh, by the Without way, without Gertie, this movie fails. I have to say, before we leave, my my favorite line of hers. There's two. Don't be so pushy, pushy. <laughs> Number one, because that's my daughter Eva. Two is when she says, "Yeah, he. I taught him to talk now, so he, so he talks now." <laughs> Literally, I could just watch the clips of her in this movie and laugh pretty much the entire time. I'm sorry. I know I'm pulling us back. She is never in school. What what is happening with Gertie? Uh, She's about to jump into a a lot of cocaine. (laughs) Literally. Literally. Maybe if they put that kid in school, she would be fine. They're letting the TV teach her all her letters. (laughs) Five questions. Here we go. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth! Makes a man. Mr. Lebowski. What the fuck is the internet? You were close. I pushed the wrong button. I know. I it's appreciate still, it. It still wouldn't mute. It still wouldn't mute it. It just mutes the mic. At least makes All it right, feel like an effort. Time for five's questions. I just want to point out that other than our five question yeah. bed, the only person who is cursed in this episode is Katie DeSantis. Oh shoot! What did I say today? Bullshit. Did I say bullshit? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I I'm still going to say curse. that's a lesser word. I have e. children. Has Who is the target audience a... for this podcast? I have put Who? a post-it note on my laptop saying don't curse. Just in an attempt. That's all I'm asking for attempt, specifically, actually. In an attempt to be nice to you. Who I is the target that. audience? Curse. What is I'm the going, texture of the curse words? I'm going hard into the argument that the F word puts us into a different rating scale. Dis- disregard. We're marked as, I always mark us as explicit. explicit. Um, I think you're kidding yourself if you think any person who you know who's a child would listen to this for more than two minutes. Oh, God, Brian. <laughs> so I, I think we're okay. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Uh, okay, we go five questions. Jim is answering because E.T. was his movie. Jim, thumbs up or thumbs down Reese's Pieces? Oh, thumbs up. But I don't believe that's peanut butter. That is like some like peanut butter confection that is not oh, yeah, even close to peanut oh, butter. Oh, it's not pure peanut butter. No. But there's definitely peanut involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or some and flavoring sugar. there. It's oh. peanut and sugar, and that is essentially peanut butter. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. How much did they have to pay to be in this movie, you think? I don't know. That, that, I, I, that Coca-Cola. Was, yeah. So much product placement. Yeah. So much product placement. I, I, I would prefer an M&M. Would you go Eminem? How about or NASA? Did NASA endorse this movie? Do you think they gave money to the making of ET? You, you know what's funny? When I was younger, I don't think I would ever go Reese's Pieces or Eminem yeah. over Reese's Pieces. Oh, really? I loved Reese's Pieces growing up, and oh, I think interesting. I think I'm maybe more Eminems now. Oh, I would always take the Reese's Pieces. Yeah, mm. the Reese's. I feel like that, that's like I feel like it's a candy you don't see oh, a lot. But I will say the the one that is like pure joy is the Eminem, not the peanut. Not where there's like a whole peanut covered in chocolate. But now they have the peanut butter M&M, which is like a Reese's Pieces that then they cover in chocolate and a candy shell. And that is special. That's extra special. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Question two. Jim, would you rather watch a Spielberg movie or read a Stephen King novel? 100% always a Stephen King novel. All right. There you go. And it, uh, it's by the way, it's because I don't think Spielberg tells the truth anymore. And I think Stephen King is always 100% trying to get to something deeper from himself is in it, every novel. Is it true that you've read every Stephen King novel, but no. you have not seen every Steven Spielberg movie? 
No, I I have not read Ooh. every novel and I have not seen every, I'd see, every movie. I'd say your proportion is still higher on King. I think there's probably only a handful. Well, of that's not that exactly fair that. because there's so many Stephen King novels. No, I know, but I, even with that, maybe, I still maybe. I still think your number is higher. Maybe. All right, here we go. Uh, fill in the blank question. A great alternative title for E.T. would be... It was stolen only a few years ago to kind of a similar concept. It would be Home. Oh. Which is a kid's movie. Also a good movie. Yeah. I like that one, too. Oh, great. That's a great one. Little Rihanna. Uh, I love it. Uh, Jim, favorite question. What's your favorite type of mushroom? Ooh. Of course, if you've seen this movie, they go into that really trippy thing where they go into E.T.'s uh, ship, spaceship, and there's some crazy ass mushrooms. Did you see a mushroom with a face? Yes. Okay. Oh, absolutely. This is the first time of watching this movie where I noticed the face. Mm. I feel like every other watching it was too dark. And was not in 4K. And this time I was like, oh my God, there's a face. Anyway. Um, never never saw the face. Mushroom. Yeah. Um, ooh, if I'm just like eating mushrooms in like a dish or something, I think portobello always. Mm. However, if I'm like cooking like something that I want to like enhance the flavor of, you got to get those dry porcinis. Porcini, man. You get the yeah. dry porcinis. You rehydrate the them. You use that liquid. Ugh. Delicious. Porcini right. water. Hot mm -hmm. Love it. Finally, deep thoughts question. Which modern uh, director do you believe could make a really interesting version of E.T.? I'm not talking about a remake. I'm yeah. saying if you if this was like, you know, what director would you love to have seen do a take? I have it. Of e. Greta Gerwig. No. Guillermo Gultur. No. Guillermo. Guillermo. No. Well, maybe. I mean, the way he like Pan's Labyrinth would be a very good analog as far as like a non kids movie that is from a kid's perspective and is very kid focused around fear. Um, yeah, maybe can't hear him. Maybe Alex Garland, maybe Ooh. Dennis. Denny. Denny. Maybe Noah Baumbach. <laughs> someone who I see it's funny because I think someone that deals very well with those family dynamics um because I think the rest of it can kind of be handled for them but if they can't deliver on that piece then it's going to be a rough ride <laughs> who's doing Stranger Things <laughs> The Duffer, Duffer brothers. brothers. That's a little uh, too on the nose. Yeah. Of course, the correct answer is Emil Ardelino. He passed away, Brian. Director of Chances Are. <laughs> he passed away. Bring, bring him back to life like E.T. was brought back to life in the movie. Give him the script and we would get something amazing. Brian, I have to tell you that last week my students had trivia. Yeah. Um, run by another teacher and so I participated so it was like can you beat Mrs. DeSanto <laughs> you'll be happy to yes. know that they beat me in movies yeah. shocking <laughs> but I won in two shocking. rounds of food <laughs> oh lord and um, so many of the movies we've done on the podcast I'm sure we have probably the week prior um, die hard we will be returning for our final bonus Thirsty Thursday episode. Believe it or not, we've done 10 weeks 
10 weeks uh-huh. of pandemic programming. I like to refer to it as. And we need a break. We're, we, we're here we for the cannot, people. Cannot continue to depend. But yeah. we're having our great friends from Pop Adult, both Tim and Keenan, join us for a classic Hollywood AFI top 100 film, North by Northwest. We're going back mm. to Alfred Hitchcock. Our first experience was not something the three of us loved completely. No which was Vertigo, mm-hmm. uh, a film that Keenan from Pop Addled loves. So I'm sure that will come up mm-hmm. North by Northwest. I love mm-hmm. I think it's a great Hitchcock film uh, in terms of Hitchcock films. So I'll be interested to see. And I've never seen it. Oh, I was going to say, I thought we watched this in your film theory class. No. OK, I have seen no. this one. Yeah, um, so it has I one of the most iconic scenes ever. Yeah, it's right up there with I mean, not right up there with the shower scene, but it's pretty close. Yeah, the psycho is the the plane. So I think it'll be interesting to tackle that. And then really exciting after that is our 100th episode of Com Majors. (laughs) Katie's got some bubbles to celebrate this day. A beverage, if you will. A beverage. Yes, a beverage. Uh, like, share, subscribe, review, all the other stuff. We'll see you back here again with our good friends from Pop Addled next time. Bye, commenters. Bye, everyone. Bye.